Turn your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse 9. I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world, or with the covetous and swindlers, or with idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world. But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person, or covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church? But those who are outside, God judges. Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. Paul seems to be clarifying a point he made to the church of Corinth. When he had said not to associate with immoral people, he did not mean immoral people of the world, for you would have to leave this world to obey that commandment. Paul then seems to be implying that the Christian needs to figure out how to live the righteous life among the unrighteous. How to live in the world, but not be part of the world. If we are not to completely isolate ourselves from the world, how are we supposed to prepare our children to live a Christian life within the world? The answer is knowledge and implementation of that knowledge, which I often call wisdom. Knowledge comes from the teaching of parents and the church. But knowledge is only potential power. For us to have true power over the lusts of the world, we have to implement our knowledge. In life, we are faced with many decisions. The decisions we make are based upon the knowledge we have. If I don't have the knowledge that touching a hot iron is going to burn me, I won't necessarily avoid doing that. I find it very strange that today in the United States we are talking so much about principles and values and morals, yet we have taken the Bible and God out of our public school system. This country was founded on the principles of the Bible. The Declaration of Independence listed violations of the Bible by the king as some of the reasons for our independence. Our money says, in God we trust. Yet we don't allow our children to get to know about, let alone trust him. So if the knowledge needed to survive as a Christian doesn't come from our schools, it must come from home. I believe that in order for our young people to be able to survive in this world, that is, to be part of it, but not of it, we need to teach them to make the proper decisions in life. Decisions that are based upon God's word. Therefore, we must instill the key fundamental principles of God in our young people. 
And at the same time, we too must refresh our own minds on these principles. After all, we are still making many decisions in life. And without the proper knowledge, we will most likely make some bad decisions. So the question is, how do we live a life that pleases God in a world that for the most part has forgotten God? The mind of a Christian has been changed from its former state and the new creature is fashioned after the nature of Christ. They that have the mind of the Spirit are no longer controlled by the mind of the flesh. Paul points this out in Romans chapter 8 verses 5 through 10. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Those who have the mind of Christ have given up the ways of the world with its passions and lusts. Romans chapter 13 verses 11 and 14 say this, Do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than we believed. The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Today, whether we realize it or not, we are closer to leaving this material world than we have ever been before. Simply because one cannot stop time. We are also closer to Jesus' return than we ever have been. Now that doesn't mean it will happen tomorrow, but we certainly are one day closer to it than we were yesterday. So if the time is at hand, shouldn't we live accordingly? The Christian continually seeks to avoid the things of the world that displease God. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Titus chapter 2 verses 11 through 13. Consider what Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 11 and 12. Beloved, 
I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. The world may think of us as weird or peculiar, as a stranger or an alien, but we are to let our actions and attitudes glorify God. Let the world see that we don't care what they think about us, but we rather care tremendously what God thinks about us. The Christian must learn to turn away from those who are controlled by the cares of the world. Turn your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. But realize this, then in the last days difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these, for among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women, weighed down with sins led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men of depraved mind, rejected in regard to the faith. But they will not make further progress. For their folly will be obvious to all, just as Janus's and Jambres's folly was also. Now when you read Paul's description of the difficult times that will come, doesn't that sound like we are in the last days? Take a look around. What do you see? Those who serve Christ are no longer serving the world. But God be thanked that ye were servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. But now being made free from sin, and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness, and the end everlasting life. We must walk in the world, but not be of the world. Jesus prayed to the Father that he would not take his followers out of the world, but rather keep them from the evil one. Look at John chapter 17, beginning with verse 14. 
I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. It's very obvious to see that Jesus was not asking God to remove everyone who believes in him from the world, at least not at this present time. But he did ask God that anyone who follows him should be sanctified in truth. And where does that truth come from? God's word. As we're looking at living in the world today, we have to remember that association with and the influence of wicked people can turn our hearts away from God. Proverbs 13 and 20 says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Paul told us, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. 1 Corinthians 15 and 33 Satan uses many different cares of the world to tempt and entice the child of God to return to the characteristics of the old man of sin. How do we overcome this? Paul told us in Ephesians 6 and 11, Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We are later told that the armor consists of the truth, the gospel, and faith. I believe the basic armor starts with the Ten Commandments. If you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments deal with our relationship with God. The next six deal with our life in this world. These are the very basis of how God has planned for us to live. Before we can go into battle with the devil, we must know how he is fighting us. He is fighting us today with the very environment we live in. In computer science, there is a saying, garbage in, garbage out. Now ask yourself, what are you being bombarded with every day? Pure garbage. I challenge anyone in today's world to turn on the TV, surf the internet, or listen to some music and not hear garbage. You can't do it without being bombarded with foul language. And we are told this in scripture. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to use of edifying, which means building up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. We are bombarded with a total disregard for authority. 
It seems that the government, the laws of the land, even respect for your parents don't matter anymore to most of the world. Look at what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 13, beginning with verse 1. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them. Tax to whom tax is due. Custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. Children, obey your parents in all things. For this is well-pleasing in the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children, that they be not discouraged. Colossians 3, 20, 21. We are also to respect our elders. Likewise, ye younger, be subject unto the elder. Yea, all of you gird yourselves with humility to serve one another. For God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your anxiety upon him, because he careth for you. 1 Peter 5, 5-7 I remember when I was a kid, I used to see the Marlboro Man riding his horse on TV. Then someone in some official capacity must have thought, Hey, this is not good for people to see. Smoking causes cancer, and that is bad for us. Let's not put those commercials that glamorize smoking on television anymore. And they took it off the air. Yet, today, we see that many things, just as bad as smoking, are portrayed on TV as the cool thing to do. For example, alcohol. Now, an occasional drink may not hurt you. In fact, many medical studies show that alcohol in moderation is good for you. But it's the uncontrolled desire for it that is harmful. Teenagers think it's cool and makes them more adult-like. I know I did when I was a teenager. 
Then I went to college and saw one of the kids across the hall in my dorm who started his day with alcohol every day. He was an alcoholic at age 18. Not for me. The Bible has a lot to say on this subject. The Christian must respect and properly use the mind and the body. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service. And be not fashioned according to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, and ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. As I look around the world today, it would be very difficult to put what we are bombarded with into one word. There's too much sex, too much adultery, too much living for self. But I think the word lasciviousness, that's a big word, from the King James Version, may indeed cover it. Lasciviousness is defined as wanton acts of manners and filthy words, indecent bodily movements, unchaste handling of males and females, feeling morbid sexual desires. Lasciviousness is what sells products in today's world, and the scriptures warn us about this. Look at Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. How do we live a moral life in an immoral world? As adults, I believe for the most part it is implementation. We have to implement what the scriptures tell us on how to live. It is also our responsibility to provide the knowledge to our younger people. It is then their responsibility to use the knowledge. They must implement it. They must become wise. As a parent, I have to prepare my child for life in a world that is not so perfect. While my child lives with me, 
I can somewhat control him or her. But what about after they are gone? If I haven't provided the knowledge, if I haven't provided the opportunity for decisions, how will my child ever be able to survive after he or she is gone? 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16 say, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the vain glory of life, is not of the Father. As a parent, I have to somehow show how to implement this knowledge and the why. If we could somehow get the Word of God back into our schools, back into our family discussions, we could drastically reduce, if not totally eliminate, most of the bad things that are happening in the world today. This is the primary reason I started this podcast. To share the knowledge that comes from understanding God's Word. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. James 1 and 5 Thanks for listening. W. Clement Stone wrote, That which you share multiplies, that which you withhold diminishes. If you found this podcast enjoyable, share the link with someone you care about.